It's now June 6th, 2017. On this episode of the Kyle Style Podcast, I want to take you back in time to June 6th, 1944. D-Day, baby. Many people, I think, have seen Saving Private Ryan, um, you know, uh, maybe Band of Brothers. Just They're both excellent... Um, they're both excellent media creations uh, that demonstrate the kind of the what was at stake and everything else. Uh, just the whole scale of it. The D-Day invasions to liberate Europe from the Nazis were, well, the largest uh, naval and air action military action in history and i don't think i've ever been rivaled since uh and we we try to remember that that uh, that event at the very least because of how brazen it was i mean it was ballsy uh to to put it in a, a kind of human context it's just a current human context it's just like uh, somebody hands you a rifle and a parachute and they go all right we're jumping in we're gonna jump out of a plane into you know northern france and start killing nazis and we're not gonna stop until we're in berlin and you go okay everybody goes all right let's do it (laughs) it's it's just it boggles the mind how you crack that crack that egg, right? And I wanted to give you a, a specific anecdote uh, from the D-Day Normandy landings, and hopefully explain something. It kind of is. It seems profound, at least to me. It seems profound. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to go back to maybe 1939, of course. Uh, Germany invades Poland. Germany invades Poland and starts World War II after they've already kind of subtly invaded their uh, parts of Czechoslovakia and the Sudetenland, which is this section of France that's like the eastern part of France, and they've kind of continuously battled about who really owns it. And... The Nazi Blitzkrieg war machine spreads across Europe. Now, there's this uh, there's this movie coming out, Dunkirk, which is about uh, well, Dunkirk is a I guess a region of France where, uh, or I guess you could call it a beach, where the British expeditionary forces were forced back by the German Blitzkrieg and they're forced to retreat and they're trapped at the ocean's edge and they're bombarded and all this and all this stuff. So this that movie's coming out. So that's like a British kind of perspective on uh, on that phase of the war. You have to understand uh, again some background. You have to understand that the Allies, quote unquote, at the time, uh, were just chased out of Europe by the Nazi Blitzkrieg, which apparently was partially fueled by methamphetamine. Just throwing that out there. I have I've tried to substantiate that, and I can't necessarily find anything super clear about it. But it seems as though the uh, 
the, the Nazis were pumping their dudes full of uh, methamphetamines, which is what made the Blitzkrieg so fast and so effective. So chemical warfare in the sense that uh, it was uh, internal biology, chemical warfare, amping their dudes up and making them just fight really super hard. Anyways, the, the, the Allies were chased out of Europe. The Nazis attempted to, um, if my viewings of uh, the History Channel <laughs> uh, serve me, it was called Operation Sea Lion, which was the Nazis' attempt to subdue England and invade England, right? First thing they needed to do was fight the air war, right? So they try to fight the air war, uh, shoot down the RAF, the Royal Air Force, and you have what's called the Battle of Britain, which is when the this battle was decided in the skies. Air superiority was the first step. And I think uh, it was Churchill, I think, said, never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. At a certain point in this ongoing air war, basically every aircraft in Britain was in the sky, manned by a pilot and they would they, they would return to the airfield with planes full of bullet holes and dudes would just start immediately repairing them and getting them ready to go back up again uh guys would parachute out of a plane and then head back to an airfield and jump into another plane and go back up like like that like that crazy I might be misquoting that or uh, misrepresenting that, but it's it's super crazy. And I'm surprised there hasn't really been a movie about this. But anyways, once the Nazis had solidified their hold over Europe, the Allies kind of started chipping away. Now, the Eastern Front was going on this whole time, and you should just listen to uh, Dan Carlin's... Uh, uh, hardcore history of uh, God. What is it called? It's uh, the Ostfront, Ghosts of the Ostfront, and that details everything that's going on on the Eastern Front, which is Germany attacking Russia and they invaded Russia and Operation Barbarossa and all that stuff. But it has a different character. The Eastern Front does from the Western Front, and when America got involved and we started sending materials and supplies and, and men and we, we, oper we launched, what was it, Operation Torch, which was uh, our incursion into North Africa to try to defeat them uh, in, in North Africa. And we invaded into um, uh, Italy. We, we had a landing in Italy to try to start to force them back that way. But the... The sort of holy grail here was to try to breach our way into France. Now, if you understand some of the geography, and this might get a little iffy because there's some visual aspects here that you might not get by me talking, but of course you should check out the blog post and you'll see everything I'm talking about. And while you're on the blog, you could find the links to uh, redbubble.com. So where you can go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design, and you'll see some of my original designs on uh, shirts and prints and mugs and all that good stuff. And you can see some, you know, 
Western free uh, non-Nazi dominated artwork that you can purchase and you'll have some great artwork in your life, but you'll also be supporting this podcast. So, uh, you know, I'm doing a little presentation for you. I'm doing some homework for you. Maybe you'll, uh, you know, maybe you'll find something you like in there. Or if you don't, you're like, man, your art's really, really crappy. Okay, fair enough. You go over to the GoFundMe page, throw me a couple of dollars. Because I'm supported by listeners just like you, right? Just like you with the headphones in right now. Just like you. Anyways, moving forward. Operation Overlord was this giant, like it boggles the mind, giant master plan to defeat the Nazi war machine. How do we get all of these men and materials and weapons and drive back into Europe all the way to Berlin and just defeat this Nazi, this Nazi menace? Well, the first step is you have to overcome what was called the Atlantic Wall. Now, Hitler knew uh, that there was going to be an attempt to invade. So he built this whole string of... Uh, of defenses and everything on the coast of France. Now, at certain point, at certain parts of the English Channel, which is this waterway that separates uh, Britain from France, it's you can see France or you can see Britain from from France. You can see it, right? It's right there. But there are other parts where it's a little further apart. You can't see it, but it's still really close, right? Like you could people have swum it. Swam it, swam it. So the Allies come up with Operation Overlord, and this involves separate pieces. But there was Operation Fortitude, and my understanding again of this is based on a History Channel that I used to watch religiously. Was this massive uh, counterintelligence operation? We caught German spies, and we made the German spies feed mis disinformation back to the Germans. We controlled, we made fake radio traffic and a fake army that would show up on, like, aerial reconnaissance. We put Patton at the head of a fake army because we knew that they knew that Patton was an egomaniac. So... If he was in charge of an army, it was 100% real, and their mission was 100% real. So he was in charge of a fake army because we knew that they knew that... I think you get where I'm going here. Like, this is super insane. Uh, like, I don't quite understand how they really masterminded this, but they did. Now, when it comes down to is, again, June 6th, 1944... And I just want to, I want to read you the words of General Dwight D. Eisenhower, later President Dwight D. Eisenhower, issued this uh, statement. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for yourselves, for ourselves in a free world. 
Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. to The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessings of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Now, there's a bit of bluster there. There's a bit of, yes, we will do this thing, but he also wrote a sort of a concession speech, uh, accepting full responsibility for the failure of the invasion. Uh, and history, I think I think everyone wonders what would have happened if D-Day hadn't uh, gone off the way that it did. Now, obviously, uh, I am not speaking the German right now, so we defeated the Nazis. We defeated them. Everybody knows that, but again, if you are new to this or something, like people gotta sometimes catch up. Like I feel like people don't know some of these things. So... June 6th, 1944, we started airdropping dudes in, in, uh, you know, behind enemy lines into France in the middle of the night. Some of them were like, they were called pathfinders. Their job was to set up like guide lights and things so that the next wave, the real wave of the invasion uh, could, f- uh, the planes could follow uh, their, their, tr- their path and drop the, you know, airborne troops where they were supposed to be. And you talk about, I mean, God, talk about sphincter clenching. I mean, you're dropping in on a parachute into Nazi Germany, or not, well, Nazi France, Nazi-occupied France, and all you've got is maybe a rifle, but you have this mission, and your mission is to kind of like not get found, not get caught, obviously, and then set up this, you know, like a guide light thing so that help can come. Like, you're totally on your own until help comes, okay? So those guys, I'm, I want to say, I almost want to say they've got to be out of their minds, while at the same time, they have to be 100% in their mind. They have to know exactly what's at stake and exactly what's going on. You can't just throw some morons out of a plane just because they've got bravado like they gotta do this and they gotta do it right so the actual full operation overlord the d-day invasion is just building right it's just building while these dudes are jumping out of the planes the ships are already on their way right like this is all gotta be orchestrated and again operation fortitude we faked the nazis out we made them think, well, there's not really an invasion, or there's an invasion coming somewhere else, or it's coming a different day. Like, we confused them so much that they weren't prepared. And it's that whole thing with, uh, I mean, Alan Turing and, and all that other stuff is just this whole own saga, right? But here we are. It's going forward. You've got 
the Normandy beaches. You've got, it's been divided into five sections. Utah and Omaha, the American beaches. This is going west to east. So Utah and Omaha. Gold, which is a British landing beach. You've got Juno, which is the Canadians, you know, our Canuck friends to the north. They were involved. And Sword. Sword is the easternmost uh, beach that's landed by the British. And, you know, Saving Private Ryan, all that stuff. Machine guns, dudes running across the beach, and just, you know, hell on earth, right? Well, before any of this even actually happens, you have what was called Operation Deadstick. Operation Deadstick, again, like, like, there's just insanity piled on insanity here. Operation Deadstick was before the invasions actually happen. You've got dudes who fly in on gliders towed by airplanes. They land by this uh, couple little series of bridges, and the one they, they land that this group lands by is called Pegasus Bridge. Pegasus Bridge, they had to capture this bridge, and this bridge is defended by Nazis, by Germans. Machine guns, mortars, whatever. Like they, They've got control of this bridge because this bridge is important. And the reason is, is that there's a town called... I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, Can San? I'm not sure how you do that in French. But there's a panzer division there. Panzers, German tanks, right? German tank division is in this town. And they can go east across this bridge. And if they go east across this bridge, they can loop around and go down to the beach. Right? They can go down to Sword Beach. And once they're on the beach, they can push all the way west, right? So it's a little bit of a loop. And they can project all of this, all these vehicles and all these tanks and everything right down the beach, all over us as we're trying to come ashore. So we got to control that, got to control that bridge. Well, gliders come in, heavily trained, highly trained British, you know, crack troops come out of there. They take over the bridge. One of the German soldiers gets a shot of a flare gun off, right? He shoots the flare gun in the air. Now all the other, you know, Germans around know that something's going on. Well, they send tanks, okay? They send tanks to go and attack and try to take the bridge back. Tanks roll up to the bridge. One of these British soldiers has what they called a piat. Now, a piat is basically like a bazooka, okay? I really hope you're following me on this. Okay. A piat is like a bazooka. It shoots a, a grenade, basically. A shaped charge that can blast through armor. It's the heaviest weapon they have. It's the only chance they have of taking out one of these tanks. And they have to stop these tanks from crossing that bridge or taking the bridge back. So they gotta nail the first one and make it toast. So here's this British soldier... He's a, apparently he's a sergeant. I've tried to discern his name. I can't get the exact name out of it. Um, and he's got this. This thing is like a spring-loaded contraption. Okay, it's like a big spring-loaded thing that lobs. I mean, it like it lobs it the way you'd throw like a softball. Like it just it lobs it out, and it's not very effective past like fifty yards. He's got to hit this tank, and he's actually practiced this shot before this moment but here he is he's practiced it in training and here it is it's go time he's got to hit this tank with this shot 
The tanks roll up to the bridge. And he fires this one shot off. He hits the tank, and the tank explodes. The other tanks see that, and they assume that they're under attack by something heavier. So they beat cleats out of there. Now, this tank kind of, I guess, kind of blocks the road a little bit. And so they don't use that route to try to go across the bridge and go down to the beach where they could then counterattack our invasion, which they don't even know has started yet. But we know. And we're taking control of the situation, right? Now, the, of course, the invasion proceeds. It's, uh, it goes off not without a hitch. There's a lot of lives lost and all that brutality you see in things like Saving Private Ryan and, uh, you know, Band of Brothers, that kind of thing. But it all progresses, and ultimately we march across France and into Germany, and the Russians keep pushing in from the east, and we defeat Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich. Now, why I'm telling you the story of this specific soldier in this specific instance at Pegasus Bridge is that... I saw this documentary that I'll include a I'll include a video of it for you. Um, there's these the, the magnitude of everything happening. Sometimes it hinges on these small things: the planes dropping guys in, guys getting organized, finding where they're supposed to go. You know, uh, just every individual little thing has to happen just just right, just so, or the whole operation, the whole invasion could have been undone. And so there's that guy, uh, that 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 limey, that hiding in the bushes with the spring-loaded bazooka grenade launcher thing, and he's gotta make this shot. He's gotta hit this tank. I mean, maybe they have time to reload, but maybe not. Maybe just one shot is all you get, and it's this kind of, it's like a Frank Herbert Dune kind of thing. It's this nexus moment. Where all of history, like it revolves around this kind of moment, like an axle. It's like the the three hundred Spartans at Thermopylae. It's, it's it's everything will be different depending on what happens right now. Talk about pressure, but in that moment, he made the shot. He blew up the tank. The other tank stopped. They stopped the armored attack against the counterattack against the troops holding the bridge, of which there was not many. I think it was like 40 guys, maybe, were holding this bridge. They could have easily been wiped out, but they pushed that attack back. And then the result is there weren't tanks lining the beach when our guys were coming ashore at Utah and Omaha and Juneau, gold, sword. And... Everything then plays out from there, but it's it's just it's just astounding to think about, and that's why they're called the greatest generation. These kind of guys, these that 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 era of guys, is they took on they took on this immense challenge to play their own part. You know, everybody had to do a task. Everybody had a thing to do. And they knew why they were doing it, and they they committed to it. And, like, again, history just unfolds because of them. 
a few things a bit different, and you're looking at uh, the man in the high castle. You're not looking at our world. You're looking at some weird, you know, alternate universe where the Nazis won, or maybe the Nazis just survived, and uh, a world that we we wouldn't recognize. We wouldn't recognize it, and I feel like I get. I mean, I guess that's it. It's that you you may find yourself in a situation like that British soldier where you are the person who has to do that thing right, right now. And in a sense, you have no real idea how much is hinging upon your, your precision, your action now, in, in the moment you have to execute that action. And it could mean the rise and fall of a civilization. It could mean the beginning or end of a war. It could mean the end of... It could mean your own life. It could mean history. It could mean generations of people that come afterward that live in a different world because of your one decision your one action, your one moment of, of execution, one moment of uh, capacity and ability directed at a, an, an, an enemy, a, an actual adversary, an enemy of, of life, an enemy of freedom, right? An enemy of liberty. There it is, and you take your shot. And I guess on... June 6th of 2017, not many of those old war horses are left. Not many of those old, those World War II vets are left, and it's got to be interesting to be them, to see how far we've come, to see how much has transpired and and just what we've been doing. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing in the uh, the sort of sandbox that they created for us? And then it's a matter of being honest with yourself. Have we have we honored their sacrifice? And I mean, this is just one anecdote in that whole, you know that whole unfolding of that entire operation. I mean, you look at the guys at Point de Hoc who scaled cliffs with, like, rappling hooks and, and ladders that they hooked together, and it's it just all seems completely insane. But they did it. We're proof that they did it. They won. I mean, they climbed, they sailed in boats and then climbed cliffs and killed dudes, sometimes with knives and bayonets, to make the world a better place and we live in it every day and i like i said you got to catch up if you don't know any of any of this stuff you should you really got to catch up because we stand on the shoulders of giants and we hopefully honor what they sacrificed to live in a better world a freer world and we 
if we honor what they did, then we can find that maybe in ourselves, that, that character. And we can carry some of it. Maybe we can borrow a little bit of that, that boldness, a little bit of that bravery, a little bit of that, uh, that gumption. And we can apply it to not warfare. Maybe we can apply it to being, to, to creating rather than destroying what evil men have built. And we move forward and we make the world a, a more beautiful place, right? Maybe, hopefully, a more peaceful place. But don't forget where we've come from and what men, men and I suppose women, men and women, just like you and me, have been forced to do in the past been forced to and forced to do in order to try to get the world in, in a case like this like the whole world back on track and it can demand immense sacrifice thank you for listening to my d-day uh you know secret operation rant again June 6th, 1944 to June 6th, 2017. It's, what, 73 years? We're, we're, we're still watching the world play out. We're still watching the effects of World War II and all of this stuff just kind of ripple out through time. Like, there's just everything that I see, I can always kind of tie it back to something that happened before, during, or after World War II. And... It's endlessly fascinating. So uh, not trying to even reach into the Dan Carlin hardcore history level of things, but you should totally check out Dan Carlin hardcore history if you want to know more about these things. Um, Stephen Ambrose wrote a book. Uh, I think it was uh, Assault on Pegasus Bridge. And then there was Hans Van Luck, uh, Panzer Commander, which is the opposite side. It's the German side of the attack on Pegasus Bridge. So that's an important thing is to think about it from the other, the other end, right? Like how this, you're trying to defend your country and it's getting invaded, but you know, we of course think of them as the bad guys. So it's an interesting way to go about it. And of course on the blog here, I'll include some links and, and videos and all that stuff. Um, you know, if you haven't seen somehow, haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, you should watch that. Uh, you should watch Band of Brothers, which is more of the airborne side of, of the invasion. It just, I mean, I say it's insane. It just seems crazy. Like, I don't know at any point in my life, if you could have trained me or convinced me <laughs> to, you know, jump out of an airplane with a rifle and then land on the ground and then do an operation to like capture a town or, you know, I would just want to not die. <laughs> that would be my main priority. So I don't understand exactly how they were able to focus and actually pull this off, but they did. And, uh, God, it's just brass balls, the size of, I don't know what bowling balls might not be big enough. I don't think that suffices. Anyways, uh, happy D-Day anniversary, Kyle Style Podcast. Check out redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design. 
get some of my original artwork in your life and you of course be supporting the podcast that way or you head over to the gofundme page throw me a couple of dollars and of course uh you know i'm supported by listeners like you so i appreciate that but uh you know leave ratings on itunes and soundcloud and all that stuff uh you know drop me a comment follow me on twitter at k style podcast uh i want to hear from you i want to know whether or not you find any of this interesting or whether I'm totally wrong or whether I'm totally right and you just think I'm awesome. Just praise, uh, denunciations, criticisms, critiques, whatever you got. Just, you know, let me know. Um, if you think I should not podcast at all, you should tell me that. If you think that this is just I'm, I'm a waste of human life and I'm human garbage, tell me that. I'd be willing to give you a day in court. Anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, let's we'll move forward from here. Try to enjoy June 6th, 1944. Do some World War II deep diving, you know, figure out stuff you didn't know, you know, learn some new things. And uh, we'll, I don't know what the next holiday is. Well, anyways, I'm going to try to hit you with another Visions of the Apocalypse soon. So thanks for listening. Kyle Style, out.